0: Welcome this morning, again, and welcome to those who are watching online. Um, a, I think we want to make one major announcement. We, besides having Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock, back uh, right here. We do open about half hour early, if you want to, for worship. Uh, we do uh, some more worship, if those are interested. Sometimes we get people coming from all over Southern California. So sometimes after driving uh, on the road, it's nice just to be able to transition before the Bible study. But I'm uh, um, obligated. Anyway, Saturday night at 6 o'clock, no better wait and pray. Uh, it's probably our largest Bible study that we do uh, throughout the week. But another uh, announcement I want to make, I made this announcement last week, but we have what we call our Leo Discipleship Program, in other working on as Bible Classes. And we offer them free. We've been doing them here, uh, but because of traffic and because of location people, they, most people haven't been able to come here uh, during the week. So we've discontinued that as far as on the calendar, but what we've done is we put all of our Bible classes on our website now. And they're free. So you can go at your own pace. Uh, you just need to register so we uh, can get you uh, the, the, the login information and whatnot. And we only have that login information so we can be part of the process. So you can answer questions. And so we can just kind of monitor that. We're not here to micromanage it, but we're here to uh, help disciple. It's hard, to help. it's hard for me to help disciple if I'm not involved in the process uh, uh, somewhere. And so, but we've, there uh, we already have some people started. We just got this launch, uh, I think last week. I think we're in our second week now, starting today. Uh, but it just launched. If you have more questions, whether here or also online, we have our phone number, our email, all of that is on our website. If you don't have it, we can give it to you. Uh, but feel free to ask any questions. We don't want to make it complicated, but we do want to make it uh, uh, accessible to anybody. And don't feel ever obligated to do anything we offer. That. We're all about discipleship. Our church name is called Lighthouse House Discipleship Center. Uh, the program is called uh, LDL's Discipleship Program. We're all about discipleship. And so uh, it's free. Uh, some some classes have three sessions. Some have a our first one is actually nine. Uh, that's the biggest one. Most of them have between three and eight classes uh, per session. Per sessions per classes. And so uh, most of the sessions are about 50 minutes long, somewhere in that neighborhood. So. Uh, but I like it because you can watch. By doing it that way, you can watch it as many times as you want. You can watch it over and over. You can take breaks if you, you know, watch it and progressively. Uh, so anyway, if you have more questions, I'm not going to go all the details, uh, but just go to, on our website, lighthouse Just go to the Bible Classes page. About halfway down, you'll see a section called New Correspondence Courses. Uh, the, the directions will be there. And once you register, I'll send you an email with a little more direction. Uh, where to go. So, okay? That made good? So, just a little announcement on that. Some people are excited. Some people don't know about it yet. We'll be sending out probably an email pretty soon here, uh, letting people know we kind of end up, we're kind of graduating from the pre-launch season to now launching it. And so, uh, so we're right at that door uh, threshold. I'll probably be send out an email to all of our followers this week so they know how to, how to get started with that. Well, without any further advertisements, announcements, I would just going to get right to the message this morning. So we've been talking about this is our third week. So the first two weeks, uh, I have those we have those on our website again. Um, but we've been talking about being established in our Father's love, and it's not just talking about our Father's love; but it's talking about being established in it. And uh, and so with that, uh, let's go ahead and go to the, the First John chapter three if you have your Bibles. If you don't have them, I will have it on the screen. Uh, Just a second, once I get that transition here. John chapter 3, we'll begin with verse 1, and it's, I just, uh, want to, we go, long translation, I want to get to the New King James. Most of the time I'm in the New King James, but if I toggle, I let, I tried to let you know. Uh, but it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. If you notice that most of your translations will have an explanation mark right there in the middle of the verse. John is exclaiming this this this, this uh, statement that he's making: behold, what man of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. And th- there's a lot here, I'm not gonna hopefully I'm not gonna necessarily reteach all this. I'm gonna you know, it on our archives the last few messages. But when he says, behold, he's not talking about just glancing at it. But we need to. Put our focus, our attention, on beholding what manner of love. This this word, what manner, in the Greek, uh, the, the word manner, is actually de- defined as, from what country, is a question. Meaning it's foreign. God's kind of love is foreign to this world. I used uh, that illustration um, uh, a couple weeks ago about a rose growing in the middle of the Antarctic the Antarctic, is icy as snow, Uh, but if you could just imagine a rose growing in the middle of that environment and those elements, it's foreign to have elements. If you saw a rose growing in the middle of the Antarctic, uh, not that you would be there, (laughs) but if you were, uh, you would be like, what's this rose that would grow in this type of environment? God's kind of love is so foreign to this world that when people see it, when people behold it, it's It's almost in a sense like Moses in the burning bush, if I can put it in that analogy. Uh, Why is this bush burning and not being consumed? There's something that's not normal. There's something that's not natural to this. But behold, what manner of love the Father has. It's not that he's going to, or that he should, or that he would, or that he may. He has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. I want to skip down to verse 2. It says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. I love that last part of verse 2. And there's there's a couple different connotations we can go there. This this whole verse can talk about the second coming of the Lord Jesus, and and I can go there very easily, and I don't have an issue with that whatsoever. But I believe eternal life is not just going to heaven. Eternal life is a relationship with God, based on John 17, 3, and uh, some other scriptures I can bring out. But when Jesus, when God, when Jesus is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We're going to look at it in just a moment, which we have in the last couple of weeks. God is love. And when, when there's many aspects of God, but we're focusing on us being established in our Father's love. And when we see God as He is, who is love, we will be like Him. But if we're not seeing God as He is, or if we have a wrong perception of what God is, our Father, then we are going to, whatever perception we have of God, that's usually the, That's usually what we'll be like. But we will be like, but when, we, when He is revealed in all of His glory, and we're talking about love, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. In other words, this goes back to Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us That we should be called the children of God Whatever you're beholding, whatever you're seeing And, we, and, and the, the core of this message is We're not going to be established in our Father's love And we're not going to be loving If we don't know how much He loved us That needs to be our focus We've been talking about Galatians 5, 6 says, Faith works by love Your faith can't even operate Without knowing His love It just can't, it won't work and faith works by love in Galatians 5.6. Um, there's more here, but I want to fast forward, because this is just kind of a recap of some things we talked about. But uh, skip down to verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 7. There's a lot, John has had a lot to say about our Father's love. Five times in, uh, in Scripture it said that John was a disciple that Jesus loved. And you know where you find all five of those occasions? In the book of John. John wrote about himself. He wrote that he was a disciple that Jesus loved. I love that because John had a revelation of his father's love. He had a revelation of Jesus' love. We could all write our own books, so to speak, and say that we were disciples disciples that Jesus loved because it would be tr- very true. God doesn't have favorites. We, God has a picture of all of us in his wallet. God, God, I know that, that's almost foreign now. now. Now we have pictures of each other on our iPhone or our phone. You know, we don't, we don't, some people don't even care about well it anymore, almost. But uh, it just uh, anyway, I won't go there. It says, Beloved, verse 7, John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is, what? Of God. Love is not of you. Love is not of your emotions. Love is not of your senses. Love is not of you. Love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God. Behold, the manner of love the Father, that we should be called the children of God. We're born of God. We're, we're His children. Let me read that last phrase again. everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. As we get towards the end of this mess, this series, I'll, I'll spend a little more time on verses 7 and 8. We can't love one another as we should, but we know God. We can't love one another as we, we can't love our spouse, our kids, our, our, our parents our loved ones, our friends, even our enemies, until we know his love for ourselves. And so we might know God doctrinally, we might know his love theologically, but we need to know it in our heart of hearts, how much God loves us. And the moments when we struggle with loving others, including loving ourselves, including loving God, there's a disconnect in us receiving his love. It always starts with we love because he first loved us. And so, if you're struggling with their faith, if you're struggling with loving others, there's a commandment, even in the New Testament, that we have to love one another. I could spend a lot of time talking about there. Even in the New Testament, there's a command to love one another. But we can't do that if we don't know His love for ourselves. Because, first of all, God is love, and love is of God. God love is not of yourself. You can't do it on your own willpower. It won't work. It, it's, it, it, it will, it. Andrew says it this way, either you're living supernaturally... Or you're living superficially, and there is a superficial kind of love, there is a selfish kind of love, and there is there's different kinds of love in the Greek for love and and and, uh, and eros love, and and those have their right place in the right contexts, but there's a love, and it's of God, its source is of God, and so we don't, we don't know God, we don't know His love, we can't operate in that love, and I don't, we all have struggled at times not being loving. There are times that we we don't feel like loving We wake up in a bad mood. Things happen. Uh, There's all kinds of reasons. I'm not making excuses for it, but we've all been there. And we've all struggled. We've all struggled loving ourselves. We're critical about ourselves. We're critical, to many times, about other people. We all have what uh, Greg Moore at Karis Bible College calls sandpaper people. We, we all have people on the just rubbing wrong. We all have them. We I don't it might not be anything they did. It can just be their personality or how they come across. And we just they rubbish wrong. We all have people like that. You know? And uh and but we also sometimes, sometimes have enemies. We've offended them. We might not have done anything, but there were we've offended them just by I don't know, it could be anything from the color of our hair, the color of our skin to to uh uh I don't know, it doesn't matter. We 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 brought that wrong. <laughs> For whatever reason. Maybe, but maybe we have done something wrong. <coughs> but love covers amongst your sins. And uh, um, there's so much I can go on about. We, um, we'll come back to some of this a little bit later in our series. But jump down with me to verse <coughs> excuse me, verse 16. Again, this is just kind of a recap of some things we talked about. So I'm not going to expand uh, too long, hopefully, on some of this again. But it, I can't teach it too much. It's just It's rich. It's good. It's, we, we need it. But it says in verse 16 that we have known and believed the love that God has for us. For God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and, and God in him. I'm going to toggle real quick to the, to the King James. And I want to read this again. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwelt in love dwelt in God, and God in him. First of all, let me just uh, piggyback on that last part of the verse. Uh, when he that dwelt in love dwelt in God, and God in him. If you dwell in God, you're dwelling in love. Know of God's love intellectually, theologically, biblically, but they don't always believe it. Just because we know it doesn't always mean we're we'll believe it. We'll piggyback on that a little bit. Uh, but when we know and believe God's love, it says in verse 17, herein is our love made perfect. Where what is the herein referring to? The herein is referring to knowing and believing his love for us. When we know and believe his love for us, our love is is made perfect. Our love is perfected towards our spouse, towards our God, towards one another, to our friends, to our, even our enemies. But our, without knowing and believing His love for us, our love will not be perfected. But our love can be perfected in knowing and believing His love for us. Then we might have boldness in the day of judgment. How can we have boldness in the day of judgment when we know His love? Well, don't get dizzy on me, but I'm going to go back to verse 10. Verse 10, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't talk about this this morning. John says, herein is love. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Love, by definition, not, is not only God. God is love. I'm not taking it away from that. But love is that he loved us and became the propitiation. Propitiation is a fancy word, but he was our sin sacrifice. He was our substitute. He was the worthy Lamb of God. That is love. And when we know and believe His love, His propitiation, He loved us. But God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. <coughs> when we know His love, I'm going to go back to that. Our love is made perfect. And I, I want to toggle back real quick to the New King James. And I'll go back and forth on you here. And when I want to read how in the New Kingdom, it says, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. When you know that God died for us and he already poured out his wrath on Jesus instead of you, that is love. When you know and believe it's love for you, you can have boldness in the day of judgment. Why? Because God's already judged your sins in Jesus. That makes it, He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Him." That's 2 Corinthians 5.21. Am I making sense? I'm trying to make a big point on this this morning. We talked about this before. We'll probably talk a little bit more about verse 17 in the future. If we get time there. Now we're going to verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. I spent some time on this last week. Yesterday too. I talked on this on a man's fellowship yesterday a little bit. So I spent some time on this yesterday as well. But just a, there's no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Well, where do you get perfect love? You get perfect love by knowing and believing His love for us. Okay? Our love is made perfect. I, I know I talk back to the New King James. Hopefully I'm not confusing you guys. But when we know and believe His love, our love is made perfect. And that perfect love will cast out fear. Now fear, I can speak, oh, I can speak hours on just fear. Fear is also unbelief. It's worry, it's stress, and there's all kinds of fears, there's all kinds of phobias. Fear can, we have a fear of heights, a fear of success, a fear of, fear of failure. But many times, all the things that we're worried about are fears. 365 times the Word of God says, do not fear, do not be afraid. There's a, day, there's a verse for every day of the, of the year, of do not be afraid. 365 times, he, Jesus, God, the, the Word of God, talks about how we are not to fear. But how do we get rid of that unbelief? How do we get rid of that fear? Knowing and believing His love for us. And fear can also be not knowing if God's going to meet my needs. Financially. Or not knowing trusting His word that I'm going to be healed. Or whatever the case may be. There's all kinds of fears that the enemy plays in our mind where we doubt God's word. Where we, we don't, uh, you know, He talks about this in Matthew chapter 6. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He talks about the lilies of the field, and the, the birds of the air. How they don't worry about how, how their needs are going to be met, what we're going to eat, or what we're going to wear. Jesus even said, don't even, don't even give thought to these things, because your Heavenly Father knows. We're talking about being established in a Father's love. But your Heavenly Father knows that you need these things. He says in Romans chapter 8, I think it's verse 32-ish and there I might have the, the verse wrong. But it says, if he did not spare his son, how much more would he not give us all things? Because we're his children. He loves us. And Romans chapter 8 is talking, especially the last part of the chapter, is talking about nothing can separate us from the love of God. And I know i am throwing a lot of things at us, but I'm trying to get us to the point where we're establishing our Father's love. Behold, what manner of love the Father has in us, that we should be called the children of God. As we see him, we will be like him, and as we know and believe his word, our love will be perfected, and it will drive out all fear. We can live in total peace, total joy, total confidence with our Abba, with our God, that my God will meet all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He, he did not spare his own son. He will give me all things, and whatever I need in the moment, I can do what God's called me to do. I can be who God's called me to be. I can say what God's called me to say, because my daddy loves me. And when we behold that, when we establish, behold what manner of love His love has bestowed on us. That manner of love is foreign to the environment. The environment says we should be feared. We, we should be pulling out of our hair. We should be, you know, we should be jumping ship. We should be. Not, our, our our flesh is saying all kinds of stuff. I, I don't know. About you, but my flesh, can get very loud sometimes. It can get worried. It can get stressed you ever, I mean, sometimes we especially in those alone moments when we're driving the car or we're laying on a bed at night or we're alone and we have a time for our mind to think, it can, our mind can take us down a road, we don't even want to go, we don't even know how we got there. And sometimes when we get a bad news or bad report or we had an argument with something, something went wrong at work, something went wrong on the freeway, something went wrong, you know, in life, they, I mean, you just look at the, the news, that's not even news anymore, uh, and you know, what's going on in our world. You know, Jesus said, many hearts will fail them because of things happening on the earth. But if we need to have a relationship with our heavenly Abba, because perfect love casts out all fear. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but love and power and a sound mind. There's so many scriptures that can bring us all into the equation. You know, know, perfect love casts out fear. Faith doesn't even work without love. Galatians 5, 6, I already quoted that. But perfect love can also cast out fear, which is unbelief. So love not only gets my faith activated, but love also conquer- drives out my unbelief. Is that making sense? And so, if, and angel will teach, usually it's not, we don't either have a faith problem, we have an unbelief problem. But love will, will, will cause our faith to work, and it will starve, in a sense, our unbelief. It will cast it out, it will drive it out. So when we're struggling, and usually we struggle with unbelief, but sometimes we struggle with faith, we just need to get back in our Father's love and be reminded. We can do that through scripture. We can do that through good worship songs that have good lyrics uh, that that magnify His love and magnify the truth, the gospel. Uh, We can uh, uh, can call a pastor, a friend, a prayer line, Andrews. We can... we can get into the, the Holy Spirit. We're going to go there uh, now in Romans chapter five. But the, the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, and we need the Holy Spirit to help us, especially in this world. There's many different spirits out there trying to do other different things. I'm not going to get all, all hocus pocus about all that stuff. But it just you know it's just uh, when we have the Spirit of God. He is our guide. He is our helper. I was even thinking about last night just before I went to bed. He said that He would not leave us as orphans. An orphan is someone who doesn't have a father. But we have a father. And we have a Holy Spirit to remind us that we have a father. It's just awesome. But we need him. We, we, we can't do this life without him. We can't do this life independent of God and his love for us. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Really right where I wanted to get them to today, So, but that's fine. Um, I just uh, I, I love where we're going to go, but I, I just love where, where we've been the last two weeks because it's just so rich. I just can't get off that. Uh, But hopefully uh, it's beneficial. But let me read a few verses here. I'm sorry, verse 1. So we're in Romans chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. And Paul writes, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God, and knowing that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint. Verse 5 is where we want to get to you right now. Now, hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out or shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Uh, we're going to read some more in just a moment. But uh, this is... Hope does not disappoint. You know, there's a verse in Proverbs, I don't have the reference in front of me. But it talks about how hope deferred will make the heart sick. And I've had so many people, uh, even as as a pastor, come to me about hope being deferred. And the reason they have a sick heart, (laughs) the reason they're struggling, is uh, because hope has been deferred. And they're almost using that verse in a sense to license why they're having their pity party. You know? And I'm sorry they're going through stuff. I'm sorry that they're feeling that way. I'm sorry that uh, uh, they're broken in, in different ways. I'm, I, I'm not trying to be insensitive. To uh, I've been there too. I've been there where, where I've, uh, uh, we've, we've been through some hard things. And it seems like hope is deferred. It's making the heart sick. But when you think about it, there's nothing good about heart. <laughs> there's nothing good about that. Uh, but even though hope is deferred, and actually you can read the rest of the verse in Proverbs, it gives you hope. <laughs> uh, if you read the rest of the verse, I hope, be, I hope I'm not making sense what I'm trying to say here. But I like this in connection with the verse and fathers. Now hope does not disappoint. Why doesn't it disappoint? Because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. If we understand our Father's love if we're beholding His love, if we know that love is not that we love Him, but that He loved us and became our propitiation, if we know and believe His love, that love, that love will, will cast out all fear including hope being disappointed, including hope being deferred. but when he our hope is not disappointed because the love of God not will be not could be but has been shed abroad or poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. the hope again love is not of me love is of God but let, love is also, the Holy Spirit is the one who opens my heart to understand and know His love. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. He teaches us. He guides us. He's our advocate. You know, an advocate will always stand between you and your accuser. Yes, you know, we, well, one show we watch on DVD is Blue Bloods. Uh, 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 most of the episodes, uh, uh, I just like watching it a little bit, but... You know the counselor, the the, the advocate, the, the the lawyer, is sometimes not always advocating with the accuser. But sometimes the lawyer is giving the victim advice, what not to say, what to say, different things. And uh, we have the Holy Spirit. And he's to, He's reminding us of our love. He's of uh, the love of the Father. He's reminding us how we know we can go on the wrong. We can get on the wrong track in our minds? Worry and believe when we mold things over and over and over again, and we need the Holy Spirit to remind us that His love has been shed upon our hearts if we understand what love is. And and so, uh, there's more that I can get on out of that, but uh, I want to move forward. Let's read verse 7 6. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 7 scarcely, for a righteous man will one die. Perhaps for a good man, someone wouldn't even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I love that. Even when we were sinners, even when we were enemies of God, even when we hated God, God loves us. See, love is not, I made this statement yesterday in a man's group, love is not based on the object being loved. But on the character of the one loving. That makes sense. We didn't deserve God's love. We didn't earn God's love. It's no. not based on us. Our performance is based on His character, His nature. Okay. Verse nine. I think I yeah. Much more. Okay. Let me read verse eight again because you can't get the This is verse nine without verse eight. But God demonstrates His own love towards us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Much more than Having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, were, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Now there's some things here going to take me a long time to, to, to unravel and then I want to get out of here. But I mean, I'm, I'm good with verse 8. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But there is a much more here. When we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more did He that He loved us now that we're His kids? Behold, what manner the love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God? You know, we were alienated from God. We were separated. We were enemies of God. We had nothing to do with God because of sin. Jesus came to become sin so that we can be in right relationship. We were, you know, I've taught this before in, in, uh, in probably years past now. When we, when we think of God, the Bible, and when we think of the, the, the Christianity, from our perspective, it's all about God. It's all about Jesus. But from God's perspective, it's all about us. We were always the object of Islam. love. We were always, from us, the whole message of the gospel is all about Jesus. But from Jesus' perspective, it's all about us because we were the reason for the gospel. The whole purpose of why Jesus came, the whole reason by everything, was so that God could have a relationship with us. Sin was in, in the way. Jesus became that sin so we could have a relationship with God. We were always the object of everything that God did and Jesus did to the cross. We've always been the object. He did all that. He went through all that extreme of dying on the cross so we could have a relationship with Him. If He loved us when we couldn't have a relationship with Him because of sin, how much more that He can have a relationship with now because sin has been removed out of the way? How much more does He know that love and can express that love to us? That makes sense? That's deep. We have to chew on that. But it was always about us. But how much more that we. Having been justified by His blood, and the whole justification talks about righteousness. We've been right with God by His blood, His propitiation for our sins. We shall be saved from the wrath through Him. I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about this wrath and few moments. I don't want to make this a negative connotation, but some of us, we've been saved. We use that word, we're saved. But what were we saved from? We, we, we embrace the, 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 the terminology and the concept. We're saved, salvation, and sozo. And we can talk about that. Yes, sozo means healing, wholeness, and all that. And I'm not taking away from that at all. Too. But why? But this wrath. There's a wrath that is associated with sin and the law that God has saved us from. And I'm going to uh, uh, spend a little bit of time talking about that in just a few moments. Okay. Um, I'm going to make it something so far. Okay? Yes, sir. Right. Thank you. Because <laughs> so. my, my heart is not just to teacher, my heart is that we understand it. Because there's, there's no point, there's no purpose in teaching if it's not understood. Um, okay? Uh, well, I'm just trying to see. Uh, uh, I read, I did a lot of my notes without even looking at them. So I want to catch up with myself here. Okay. Um. Okay, before I go there, let's, uh, I'm, gonna, yeah, I'm just going to go with it too, but I, um, I want to I touch on something real quick. Though. Let's go, go with me real quick, the first Thessalonians, chapter 4. Yeah, I want to make a, a, a little side point here before I continue on with what I was just talking about, guess we'll all connect. 1 Thessalonians 4, again, okay, i verse 6. Paul says, not that no one should take advantage of. Okay, yeah, I'm in the right spot. Advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is avenger of such as we also forewarned you and testify. But God did not call us to uncleanness, but to un- unholyness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God. Who has also been given us by His Holy Spirit. Okay, verse nine. But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. There's a lot here. I don't know why I read so much of that context. Uh, it's good, but uh, uh, that can be confusing because yeah. I picked up from other contexts. But uh, Paul's talking about brotherly love, and he's talking about. Forgiveness here and different things, uh, what, what's going on. But, but I, I just want to zero in on a point that I want to elaborate on here just for a moment. Is that where you yourselves are taught by God to love one another? Love is of God. We need to know and believe God for everything I just said this morning. But we need to be taught His love. And we need to be taught how to love one another. I read some verses in uh, 1 verse John 4 7 to 8, we, uh, if we don't love one another, we don't know God. And that's, that's a big part of the equation. Because loving one another is the byproduct, is the pr- fruit of knowing God. But at the same point in time, we, by knowing God, knowing His Word, and let the Holy Spirit shed abroad in our hearts that we the love of God, we need to be taught how to love one another. And one sense, it's not just automatic in one sense. It is the byproduct, of the fruit, but we need to be taught it. And let me, let me use another verse to, to, to bring this in. Go with me to be the Titus chapter two. Hopefully I'm not confusing you. Um, I, there's something I want to bring out here because I'm gonna bring it back out, bring it back out a little bit later on. But Titus chapter two, beginning with verse one. So hopefully I'm not confusing you. But as for you, it's Paul speaking, speak the things which you are proper for sound doctrine. So he's talking about sound doctrine. Doctrine is just a fancy word for teaching, a doctrine. But we want to have sound doctrine, we want to have sound teaching. And some some of the things he instructed the church (coughs) to teach. (coughs) Excuse me. Verse 2, that the older man be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women likewise that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderous, not given much wine. Teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women, this is where I want to get to, verse four, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands and to love their children, to be discreet, and so on, and, and the list goes on. I'm not going to go so much off off on marriage, and it's not the to focus on women, wives, loving their, their husbands and spouses, even though that's what Paul's talking specifically here. But I want to make this a side point. As he's talking about, in verse 1, he speak the things which are concerning sound doctrine. Sound doctrine, uh, sound teaching, is teaching, in this example, women, wives, young women, to love their husbands and love their children. It's sound doctrine to teach people to love their spouses, to love their kids. In other words, it's sound doctrine to teach people to love. That's sound doctrine. and that makes sense? I'm just making a small little side point as we go forward. But but also there's not only that sound doctrine, but we need to teach this. We need to teach this, not only in the church, the pulpit, so to speak, but we need to teach this in the home. And we need to teach how to love one another. But we can't teach it if we don't know it ourselves. We need to know it. We need to know his love. And uh, the love is of God. It's not of ourselves, and, 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 and hopefully not of contradiction, it's not sounding contradictory to what I'm trying to say, but it's sound doctrine to to teach us to love one another. Um that making sense. Um, okay I'll, I'll come back to a little bit later. Um I'm sorry I'm just trying to catch up with myself. I said something different to be I got off from some side tangents I'm trying to catch back up with what we need to talk about. Okay, where are we out of time? I just want to see. You're okay. good. Okay. I want to talk about, because in verse 16, first John 4, 16, it says that we need to know and believe His love. But in knowing and believing our love, there's a question. How do we know His love? How do we begin to know God's love for us? And that is really... Uh, and let me just kind of give you the answer, but then I also want to go into how do we not know his love? I want to spend some time on three areas where we don't know He's his love by. These are not criteria serious our resources to know yes. his love by. I want, I want to deal with some of those negative ways of knowing God's love. Because we'll bring some, some, some truth out of that. now will make more sense when I get into that. But four ways that we get to know God. Four or, five ways, four or five ways, actually, that we can know God's love, and I'll just list these right now. We'll spend a little more time with these as we go forward. But the first one is uh, the Word of God. We're going to know God's love by the Word, Amen. And we'll use some more scriptures a little bit later too. Uh, I might not get there today, but uh, we're going to use some more scriptures. about, We know that God's love by His Word. You, you can't, you, you can't know God's love without knowing with His Word and right. have a relationship with Him. The second one is kind of, it's almost like with that, is, but it also you know God's love by the living word, which is Jesus. By Jesus. Have a relationship with Jesus. Jesus is the expression of God. Jesus says, search the scriptures for uh, you think in them you have eternal life, but they testify of me. We can know God's love by knowing Jesus. Jesus had compassion on the people. Jesus did what the Father did. Jesus uh, it says he's a special uh, it says in, in, in Hebrews chapter one that he's an expression of God. Uh, we can know God's love by Jesus and we'll spend a little more time with that later on. The third one is and we' already touched on it already this morning a little bit, but we know the Holy, we, we know that God's love by the Holy Spirit the shed, the, His love has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit and so we can know his love by the Holy Spirit. The fourth way, and we'll spend more time on this later too, which we'll be touched on this a little bit this morning too, we know His love by the cross. Hearing His love, not that we love Him, but that He loved us and became the propitiation of our sins. We can know His love, we've even read other verses on this in uh, Romans 5, uh, that He demonstrated His love towards us while we were still sinners. We can know His love by the cross. And one other area that we might not think of, might not think as I'm turning, I'll, I'll give you the answer, but turn me real quick to Ephesians chapter five, and we might not think of this as a way to know His love, but it's true. And you'll see that. Hopefully, you'll see this in just a moment. Um, Ephesians chapter five. I'm just looking for the reference. Cause actually, I'm teaching the last, the end of my notes <laughs> right now. Ephesians five, verse twenty-five. And the fifth, the fifth way that we know God's love is by marriage. And I, I the other four sounds very clear. But how do we? How can marriage be a way that we know God's love? Well, let's read what Paul says here Ephesians 5 25. I put wives on the spot in just a moment, so i get the husbands on the spot now. Again, okay. even the score. But husbands, love your wives. Just as what Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her as cross, okay, that he, not her, might sanctify and cleanse her, that he would do it with the washing of water by the word of God. I talked about that just a moment ago. That he might present Her. He's doing all the work. She's not doing it. She's receiving it. But that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy without blemish. Who's doing the cleansing? He's doing it. So husbands ought to love their one wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. But no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does to church. Just as the Lord does the church. well, we are members of his body. Of his flesh. Of his bones. For this reason. What reason? Christ loving the church. For this reason of Christ loving the church. A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. We quote this all the time about marriage. But marriage is God's allegory, if you will, of Christ's love for the church. This whole verse is not just talking about marriage. This verse is talking about Christ uh, loving his church. A man, Christ, shall lead his father and be joined to his wife, his church. And the two shall become one flesh. Well, in other words, it, it, uh, we are, uh, like how the King James says this, uh, but this is fine, we are bone of his bone and we are flesh of his flesh. We hear that all the time about marriage, but we are married to Christ. Because of what he did. Marriage, and that, that's why there's such an outcry against marriage in our culture today. Because it, it, the marriage preaches the gospel. It gives a, a testimony of the gospel. And Paul even makes a statement in verse 32. This is a great mystery, but I am speaking about Christ concerning the church. He's not even talking about marriage. He's using marriage as his story. But we can know God's love for us through marriage. How God instituted, how God ordained marriage to be. Um, not making sense? I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. But it just, it's just, it's just a, it's another aspect of knowing God's love. How God Christ loves us, His church. But I want to, uh, and I, I don't know if I'll finish this part today. But I want to talk about three ways of how we do not know God's love, and that might not make sense off the cuff. But I think you'll understand as I get into some of these. There's just three areas I want to talk about. First two are a little more obvious, but the third one is a little more. Um, it's still obvious, but it's, I think, but it's just a little more deeper. Um, the first one is your senses, your natural senses, Your five natural senses. In other words, way to say that how you feel. Your emotions, how you feel. With that, I want to go to Ephesians chapter 3. And we're picking up verse 17 over here the last couple of weeks too. I want to read this. Paul's playing a prayer here in verses 14 through 20. And I'm just going to pick it back up at the beginning of the prayer, verse 14. So, Ephesians 3 and 14. For this reason, Paul speaking, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you being rooted in and grounded in love. We're talking about being established in our Father's love. Okay? Verse 18. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the full dimension of God's love. Okay? Verse 19. But to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. There's, there's a lot here in this verse 19, but to know the love of Christ, with passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And I want to pull this apart a little bit. But what surpasses knowledge? I was actually talking with someone this week about this verse, and he uh, and that conversation caused me to uh, think some things that I hadn't seen before. But first of all, uh, it's There's a definite article here, the love. It's not just any love, but the love of Christ is what surpasses knowledge. There's a verse in Corinthians that says that love, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. It's the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Okay? But we need to know that the love of Christ surpasses knowledge, amen. But we need to know his love that surpasses knowledge. Okay, But there's also two kinds of knowing here. There's a the, the, the knowing of Christ's love that surpasses knowledge. In other words, we can know intellectually, we can know biblically, we can know theologically, we can know mentally that God loves us, Christ loves us. But do we know it in our heart of hearts? Do we know, in other words, are we experiencing God's love, the love of Christ that causes knowledge? The word know is also the same word that's used when Mary said to the Gabriel, how can this be, since I've not known a man? It's talking about intimacy, relationship. I know all of you, but I know my wife a lot more than I know you guys. Does that, that, that make sense? And other people that might be watching, I might know them more than I know you, because I know them longer. But I know her more than anyone else. And my, my knowing of her surpasses my knowledge of any of you. That makes sense? It's not a put-down, it's just the truth. Yeah. And right from so. It should be that way. It would be wrong if I know you guys a lot more than I know her. That's not going to be so good. For well, many ways, okay? Um, I might not live very long. i kidding. You know? But we need to know, I can't, my parents can't know it, my spouse can't know it, my children, My pastor can't know it, and you can't know it more than I know it. I need to know his love. That's a passive knowledge. Knowledge can just puff you up. You can know it theologically, biblically. You can know it legalistically, religiously, and that can puff you up. But love edifies. Okay? Um... But how many of you know that? I've said this already, someone we don't always feel like loving in the flesh. In other words, there's two kinds of knowing here. There's a carnal knowledge, which is natural, but there's also a spiritual knowledge. And that comes from above. Okay? And so there's two kinds of love. One is acquired through our five senses. And, and don't get me wrong, we need that carnal knowledge to a certain extent. We need to know it intellectually. We need to know it biblically. We need to know it here. We, uh, we're not going to be transformed by the renewing of our mind if we don't know it. But we need to know it here, too. that makes sense? We need both kinds of knowledge. Uh, I can't just... Uh, I can't just know her in an intimate way, my wife. I know I'm looking at the camera too, so I know her, you know, my wife. Uh, But I also need to know intellectual things about her. Things will go very well if I know some intellectual things. (laughs) Maybe some of those pet peeves, what she likes, you know. There's just some things that just, they go a long way just by knowing. But if that's all I know, if I just knew that but I didn't know her personally on a very intimate, not knowing level, it's not going to go so well either. We need both kinds of knowing, okay? that makes sense? But, um... You know, the five senses is what we hear, what we smell, what we feel, uh, what we uh, taste. Uh, taste. taste. I don't know if I, I'm doing it in order to repeat myself. But you know the five senses, okay? Touch. I, uh, I need some natural knowledge of my five senses. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Okay? But um, we don't always feel like it. That's a natural love. We don't always look like the love of God. I mean, you know, we don't lo- if we don't love one there because we don't know him. Well, sometimes we don't look like we love God. Sometimes we don't feel like it. Sometimes we don't sound like the love of God. But love is not of the five senses. We don't know God by how we feel. We don't know God by our five senses. We know know God's love by His Word, by His character, by His nature, by His person, by His virtue. We know Him because we're in relationship. I can't just know my wife because you know her. (coughs) And you wrote me a biography about her and gave me all, all the, her bio. And I've studied that, I've memorized it, and now I know it. it ain't gonna fly. <laughs> it's not gonna work. I need to know her. And you can only know someone by having a relationship with them. And how many of you know after tw- 19 and a half years, we're, we're approaching 20 next year, and we're still getting to know each other? And isn't that part of the, the whole point of the relationship in one sense? When you start dating, when you start interested in that guy or that girl, it isn't one of the, the, the joys of that whole relationship is to get to know them? You want to know everything about them? You want to know, I mean, what music they like? You want to know what foods they like? You want to know everything about them? And even things that you didn't like, you like now because they like it. You know? And so, uh, one of the thrills of a, of a relationship is getting to know them. Anytime we meet... New people uh, in our church and our, our friendship. We like having dinner or meals together with them from time to time. So we get to know them. Paul, the choice of any relationship is getting to know the people. You know, and 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 the moment we stop knowing people, the moment that relationship gets stale, And they're, they're saying that we're still, uh, hope I'm making sense, but we just keep knowing people. And, uh, and, and, and we get to know we know people on different levels of relationship. But same thing with God. You can't get to know God and say, I know it all. Because anyone who says that doesn't know, know nothing yet. You know, there's, there's creatures in, in heaven that all they have is eyes. And they're around the throne of God. And he, just like they're full of eyes, and I love Arthur mentions, one of the speak, teachers at, at, at Caris, says, in one of his definitions, what, what was the purpose of God creating these creatures with all these eyes. There's one thing that's obvious. They have one main purpose, and that is to see. And every time they see a new aspect of God, they cry out, holy, holy, holy. Because they see a new aspect of God they've never seen before. And these heavenly creatures are before the from day and night for all eternity. And all they are doing is seeing a new aspect of God, and they cry out, holy, holy, holy. And nowhere do these creatures get bored with seeing and knowing God. They can't have a relationship like you and I can have. Good, good, good. That's a whole other message. I don't have time to go into all that right now. But it's just, uh, but God created us for a relationship. Sin got in the way. He sent His Son to die for so we can have this relationship, so that we can know Him and He can know us. Well, I thought God knows everything. He does. But just because He knows it. Everything, he still wants to get to know you. That makes sense? He cares about your hobbies and your habits and the things that you just enjoy. The, the things that you see in nature, the things that you just, you know, I just love how that how that works and operates. Some people that might be boring, but you like it, you know? He created you with your tastes and your likes. Isn't it amazing how we all like different kinds of foods? We all like different kinds of music. Some things we, some of us just love, and some of us just can't stand. <laughs> Whatever it might be. God created us that way. And he, you know, sometimes I look at some things like, God, what were you thinking when you created that thing? You know, some bugs and some things, you know, I, I I'm not trying to get gross, you know. I mean, me, it's vegetables. Lord, what were you thinking? I know a lot of people love vegetables. I know vegetables are good for you. But Lord, I, I know what you were thinking when you created co- the cocoa plant. You know, chocolate. <laughs> When you created the cow, when you created all these other things, I'm like, I know exactly what you're thinking. I got your heartbeat. But you know, uh, anyway, I dare get, get off this track. But it just, uh, uh, God, God, we just need to know God. God's awesome. And I don't know where I was going with some of that, but uh, especially right before lunch. So okay. But uh, but let me just say that if we tried to know, understand God's love for us just based on our five senses, our natural senses. There could be some time along the way we're going to get very confused. Our senses will betray us in a sense. Uh, our, our, there's a knowing God that surpasses knowledge. Um, um, I want to explain what I just said, but I want to add more to it before I do that. There's a knowing of God's love. That's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That transcends our five natural senses. It's revealed to us by the Spirit of God. Remember that occasion where uh, Peter, Jesus was talking to Peter about going to the cross. And Jesus was just thinking naturally. Like how, how, he should, how Jesus shouldn't go to the cross. He shouldn't die. And Jesus made a statement, get behind me, Satan. Because Peter was only seeing it from a natural perspective. My master, my hero is going to die. I'll rescue you. I'll stand for you. I'll die for you. But Jesus also understood why he's going to the cross for all of us. Peter was all approaching it from a natural, his senses got in the way. But if if Jesus didn't go to the cross, we would all go to hell, including Peter. (laughs) But at the same point in time, in the very next verse, Actually, before that, I got backwards. Jesus was asking the disciple, who do people say I am? He finally went to, who do you say I am? And Peter had this revelation, you are the Christ. And Jesus made a statement that says, this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by the Spirit of God. And one, when he was thinking naturally, it was the wrong stuff, wrong information. But those things that are rebuilt to us, including the love of God, that is only rebuilt to us by the Holy Spirit, through Scripture, that is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's not rebuilt to us by our natural senses. That makes sense? I'm not saying we can't see God in nature. But even then, you know, it depends what lens you have on. You can see everything from a natural perspective. Or you can put on the Word of God and, and see it through a biblical. Godly, Holy Spirit-ordained perspective. Everything we go through, even the stuff we go through, we can see it from God's perspective or man's perspective. We can see, let's give some examples, cancer. And we can look at what the doctors telling us. We can read up, we can study it. And I don't encourage that, I don't recommend that. I don't want to get that into my brain. Or I can see cancer from God's perspective. God didn't create cancer, but he died for it. He crucified it. He, I can see how God had already overcome cancer. He conquered cancer. I can I can talk about lack. Je, I mean, Jesus did that when he wanted to feed the multitudes. And he wanted to feed the multitudes because he had compassion on the people. All the disciples saw was, all we got is a few loaves and bread. How are we going to feed this, the multitudes with this? But Jesus saw. He saw, he saw feeding the people with and, I mean, if would think about Jesus is not, not the one who even had the lunch. The boy did. Jesus didn't have anything. He didn't, even, he didn't have a lunch. He didn't have food. He didn't pack his lunch, you know. But he, he took what was given to him. He took what he had. And he saw something the disciples didn't see. Same scene. They were all seeing the same thing naturally. But Jesus saw it from God's perspective of taking what I have and multiplying giving thanks to for God. He took it, he gave thanks for it, and he began to distribute it. And as it was being distributed, it began to multiply. There's so much there, uh, but what's our perspective? We can know God's love, not by our senses, but by the Holy Spirit, the Word of God. In other words, we don't relate to God by our senses. Um, We know God by His Word. Jesus by the cross. Um, See, your senses can be manipulated by things, including even demonic spirits and different things. But the presence of, and the presence of God can touch our feelings. But our feelings do not necessarily testify of the presence of God. That makes sense. There's times I don't feel God's presence, but He's there. He's always there. He told me. Hey, how do I know he's there? I only know he's there by the word of God that says he would never leave me or forsake me. He's always there. I don't always feel his presence. I can't depend on my feelings, my senses. I'm not saying there's not time I don't sense God or feel God or see God or hear God. But I don't depend on my senses to know God. Because my senses can be up and down. That makes sense? But God's constant. And I can trust. And there's times where he he leaves me in the shadow of the valley of death. I uh, fear no evil. But sometimes I can't feel his rod and his staff comforting me and leaving me. But I know he's there because I trust him. And there's times when I can't see you, but I know you're there. And I, and I, I, but I will trust in you because I know you're there. How do I know that? There's a knowing that surpasses knowledge. I don't know it through my five senses, but I know it by the word of God. And that knowing surpasses my other knowledge. that makes sense? Hopefully, I'm trying to make sense. But when, if we don't have a relationship with God, it's going to be harder to, hard to function sometimes in those situations. I know what Sherry would say, not say in most situations. I can have a whole conversation with her and she's not even there. <laughs> I've done that before. If we've had a conversation, I answer for her and I know that's exactly what she's thinking. <laughs> it, it's just more fun when she talks too. <laughs> I mean, I, I know her, I can go Christmas shopping for her, and I don't even know when. I don't even ask her what she wants. I will, because I want to be respectable, polite, and maybe I am off, maybe there is something more that she wants and whatnot, but I, I know what she's looking at on Amazon. I know what she's looking at, and what she wants. She talks about it. I just know. Uh, because I know her. You know, I know her taste, I know her like... It, we talk about prayer and better way to pray on Sunday night. He even says in Before the Lord's Prayer, Your Heavenly Father already knows what you need before you ask. Why? Because He knows us. He's the one that, if we delight in Him, He gives us the desire right. He's the one that put the desire there. He can see it in your heart. But He wants us to participate. <coughs> he wants a dialogue, not a monologue. He's not a genie in the bottle. He wants a relationship with us. Not just to answer our prayers. And no relationship. God didn't, God's not answering our prayers so, so we can have no relationship. He wants us to be involved. He wants to be a partnership. You know, it, it's, it's fun to be involved. It's fun doing Christmas and different things together to, to bless one another. But if all I did was, well, I, I got that off my list. Here's your gift. Enjoy it. Bye-bye. You know, no, we want to enjoy it. Does that makes sense? Uh-huh. I make that makes sense. I'm having fun with it, So. <laughs> But, uh, uh, it says this in Second Corinthians five seven: We walk by faith, not by sight. We can get in a trouble when we start walking by sight, and hey, not by faith. Where does faith come from? The Word of God. How does faith work? With the love of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. Faith works by love. You don't know God, no love. You don't know love independent of God. But you don't know God independent of faith. We live and we walk by faith, not by sight. The second area, oh, i got about 15 minutes left. The second area where we don't know God is we don't know God by our circumstances. A i of times I hear this, and I've probably even said some of these things myself through the years. And these are just examples. And I hear people saying stuff like this, I don't believe God loves me. Okay what's happened to me. I don't believe God's loved me. Look at my bills that are out of control. Or how God hasn't met my needs. I don't believe God loved me because my spouse or my friend or someone left me. I also hear this sometimes from people. God must love them more. Look at how God's answering their prayers and how they're being blessed. It's dangerous for us to think that we can know God by our circumstances. When we can't know God by our circumstances whatsoever. Consider some of these things. Paul who wrote the wrote us most of the revelation of God that we know. Had some of the most horrible circumstances. Paul who told us most of the revelation of God that we know. Had some of the most horrific circumstances. And not just one bad. He had difficult, horrible circumstances throughout his entire life. Day he died, he was shipwrecked, he was stoned. Paul was beat up by religious folks. Paul, Paul, could have easily said, could have easily said, if God loves me, how come the entire religious community hates me and wants to kill me? I mean, that's just depressing thinking about it. If your mind goes there, Paul could have said, if God loves me, how come my both ache? How come, if God loves me, how come when I tried to build fire for the people, including myself, a snake came out and bit me? Yeah, some people, and I know some, I'm not trying to be insensitive with some of these. If God loves me, how come my baby died and my child died? And I understand that's, that's horrific. And I'm not trying to be insensitive. If God loves me, how come, you just fill in the blank, whatever whatever it is. And some, some people have gone through some horrible things. And I'm not trying to be insensitive. But it's dangerous for us to measure or know God's love by our circumstances. That makes sense. I'm, I'm trying to make a point with that. Many people know and judge God's love for them based on their circumstances, and that can be very dangerous. And we, again, when we think about it, Paul had his head cut off, Peter was crucified upside down, Bartholomew was filleted alive, mm-hmm. the early church was fed to lions. And I'm not trying to be Christian. but they couldn't judge God's love for them based on their circumstances. When you think about the early church, when they were fed the lions, I'm not trying to be Christian. But that whole sport stopped. Because the early church, when they were fed the lions, kept worshiping God, singing songs. To a point where, in the Roman culture, it wasn't fun anymore, this defeating the lions. Because they were enjoying, not enjoying, obviously they were enjoying the lions. <laughs> But they were they're, they're, they're so focused on God's love, they were singing and worshiping God, it wasn't fun no more. It wasn't a sport no more. Don't so just stop. I mean, I read an article on Facebook the other day. This boy was going to be kidnapped, and the, 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 the kidnappers let him go because he, could, he wouldn't stop singing every, uh, every praise to our God. You know that song? We sing that a oh, lot here. Every praise to our God. He was just singing worshiping God. He wouldn't stop. He wouldn't shut up. And, uh, you know, he don't want attention, for one. Well, kidnappers don't want attention. Not especially in that moment. And so he went off scene, so they let him go and saved his life. And so, anyway, I, I don't want to elaborate on that. I don't want to be a negative connotation. But we don't know God by our senses and by our circumstances. We know God by his word, by the cross, by our relationship with God. that makes sense? The I don't and I'm not going to have time to finish this today. Uh, this this can be a kind of its own message, and I will talk about this later a little more in its own series. But we don't love, know the love of God by the law. And this can be a little more deeper uh, by the law. But let me, uh, I just have a little bit of time left, so let me see what I can do here. Wrap it up in about nine minutes. So many Christians are in bondage to the law and don't even know it. So many Christians are living under the law and don't even know that. In other words, so many Christians are trying to relate to God. We're talking about love. We're talking about being established in our bond of love. But they're trying to relate to God on the basis of the law. In other words, they're trying to relate to God on the basis of their performance. What they do. They're trying to earn His love. They're trying to earn His favor. And instead of it, that's their motive. And their motive is pure in one sense but it's producing death and confusion in their lives because they're doing it based on them. Remember, I, I just said a minute ago that love is not based on the object being loved. It's based on the character of the nature of we love. You cannot know and believe His love for you on the basis of the law. See, when we try to relate to God based on our performance and try to earn His favor, try to merit His, His, His blessing, we will frustrate our relationship with. If I try to earn my love to my spouse or her back, we're going to frustrate that relationship. We need to love each other unconditionally. We need to love each other because we choose to love, not because they earn love. If you earn love, that's not love. You can't earn love; it's a gift. It has to—it's of God. That makes sense. Either we can. It's, uh, uh, um, in other words, religion hates this. Religion loves the law. Now, don't get me wrong I get ahead of myself, but the law is holy. The law is good. I'm not bashing the law. But I'm magnifying the love of God. I'm magnifying the grace of God. The law is good, and we're going to get into a little bit of that. I'm not going to have a whole teaching on the law. Uh, this, this feels like I'm changing gears here. But uh, go with me real quick to Romans chapter 3. Actually, I you were telling me to go to Romans chapter 5 let Let's go back to where we were just a minute ago. Why am I going here? Go, I want to go there because I'm almost out of time. And i can not to get into as far as I want to with this. That's fine. We're going to pick this up a little bit next week. But I want to lay a foundation where I'm going to start pick up next week and then we'll get into some other territory. Remember, we were here in Romans chapter 5, verses 89. I want to look at this one more time. But God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. I'm going to be doing uh, just for a few moments this week and probably into next week this wrath that God is saved When we understand this more, we're going to appreciate his love all the more. There is a wrath. God has saved us from. And there's another, another, another way of saying this that there's a wrath that God poured out on Jesus so he didn't have to pour it out on us. Okay? But we're going to see his grace not only in the New Testament, but we're going to see his grace in the Old Testament. In other words, go, we assume Romans, Romans, let's go to Romans 3 19 where I wanted to go just a minute ago. It says here, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may be guilty before God. Verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. There's a lot in these two verses. I'm not going to deal with all of this right now. First of all, I want to highlight the last part. The law is the knowledge of sin. The law reveals sin. There's a purpose for that. The law is holy, it's good, there's a purpose for that. But the law doesn't reveal the knowledge of God. The law doesn't reveal the love of God. The law reveals the knowledge of sin. Okay. We're going to look at that a little bit. Uh, But the law is to stop our mouth and make us guilty before God. It's not making us right before God. It's making us guilty before God. Okay. And there's a reason for that. We're going to look at that. God gave us, a, in other words, God gave us the law to show us what was wrong. We need to see that. If we don't know there's a problem, we can't fix it. Okay? Um, the law is to stop our mouths from boasting. Uh, 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 we can't save ourselves. If we can save ourselves, we don't need a Savior. So stop our mouths from, but we can't boast in our goodness, we're boasting in His goodness. We're not boasting on our performance how much we love God or love one another. Because you know, all, the, all the laws hinge on loving the Lord your God and loving your neighbor as yourself. And if we're boasting how we've done that, then we don't need a Jesus. But no, the law is making us guilty before God, showing us we need a Savior. There's a purpose for that. It's to stop our mouth. It's making make us guilty before God. It's to reveal our sin. In other words, if you are wrong, thinking you're right, then you will will stay wrong and go to hell. I I don't want to end this with a negative connotation, but we need to know we're wrong if we're wrong. We don't want to be wrong thinking we're right so we don't fix it. We don't want to be wrong thinking we're right and don't return to Jesus and go to hell. There's a purpose for the law to reveal sin, to give a knowledge of sin so that we can need a Savior. There's mercy in that. There's love in that. But it's not reviewing God, it's reviewing uh, what's wrong. And it's love uh, to reveal what's wrong at times. It needs to to be communicated in love, you know. But God gave the law to reveal sin, because sin is not good. Sin, the wages of sin is death. Even though Christ paid for it, he who sows to the flesh of the flesh will reap corruption. I don't have time to get into all that right now, but sin is still deadly. This might, relationship might be right, but how many know if I start being immoral, this relationship is going to be affected, the church relationship is going to be affected, and it's going to, it, it's going to go on and on and on. It, this can be right, I can be right with God, but I can destroy everyone else in the process. Sin is still deathly. But the law is going to expose sin, but the law is not going to fix my sin. It can't. The law is good and holy, but by knowing the law and obeying the law, it won't make me holy. There's only one thing that won't make me holy, and that's Jesus. Does that make sense? But if the law, I'm going to end on this note, if the law was God's plan to reveal God in his love, why didn't God give the law to Adam and Eve? If the law was God's plan, as some people teach it, to reveal the knowledge of God, Why didn't God give the law to Enoch, to Abraham, to Noah, to Isaac, to Jacob? These were all patriarchs before the law ever came. Between Adam and Moses, these were some heroes of the faith, if you will, who lived before the law. Why did God wait to give the law if if the law was to reveal God? Adam and Eve knew God, but didn't have the law. Noah had a revelation of God, but he didn't have the law. Abraham was declared righteous by his faith, but he didn't have the law. And the Pharisees believed that God gave the law to reveal God's nature, his person, his his nature. I don't have time to go into all this right now, but we're going to look at some verses that the law reveals God's wrath. Because with the law comes wrath. But God waited because he didn't want to pour out his wrath on his people. He didn't want to curse people. We read in Deuteronomy 28 that when the law came curses. That's where sickness came from. From sin. sin. And and, and, and there was wrath and all that. God. but, But because sin is deadly, even without the law, people were killing themselves. People were living in sin. People were participating in sin. From Adam to Moses. And I don't have time to teach all this right now. We'll get into some of this bit next week. But if God didn't give the law, people would have eventually killed themselves. Would have killed off all the human race. And there would have been no way for the Messiah to come. And if there was no way for the Messiah, then we all would have died and gone to hell without Jesus. But God gave the law to expose, to expose sin so that we would stop sinning. And he gave the law to give a, the whole animal sacrifice as an atonement, as a, a, as a temporary fix on sin until Jesus came. But once Jesus came, we don't need the law anymore. Because Jesus fulfilled the law. That makes sense? I, I'm going to spend a little bit more next week when I'm giving a short version of this. But God, the law is still got mercy so we wouldn't kill ourselves off. But he gave the law to reveal sin, not our Satan, God. But God waited as long as he could to give the law. The same way that it says in Peter that God is slow. He doesn't want anyone to die. He's slow in coming back again because he wants everyone to receive Jesus Christ. We see that same picture in the Old Testament before the law. But when the law came it did come through Moses, with the law came wrath, came judgment on that sin. It just it came with it. But Jesus, and we're going to look at some scriptures, not only saved us from our sins, where sin shall not have dominion over you, because you're under law, you're under grace. Jesus also saved us from the wrath of God. And when we understand that, I, I don't know about you, but I see God's love. The law doesn't reveal, I mean, why am I going this route? Because there's a whole message in that South time of the law. But the law doesn't reveal God and his love for me. The law reveals sin. The gospel reveals his love. We need the law. So we know we need the Savior. But this law can't save us. We need Jesus. And when we receive the gospel of Jesus, we are saved. And, and this is love, not that we love him, but that he loved us and became our propitiation. He saved us. Hopefully I'm making sense. Uh, when I get into about the lives are, is deep. And, um, but I want, uh, well, I'll begin talking about this next week a little bit more. Uh, making sense? Yes. Yeah. So I, I ended on a kind of deep note and I didn't finish my thought on that. So. But, Lord, we just worship you, we exalt you, we magnify your word, we magnify the cross. Lord, I know I said a lot of different things this morning. But, Lord, help us to be established in your love. Help us to be whole with manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Help us to see you as you are so we can be like you. Help us to know and believe your love so our love can be perfected and will cast out all fear. Help us, Lord. Thank you that your blood has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I, I pray that we grow in our knowledge of you and your word. So that we can not only know your love, but we can also be loving to one another. Because we can't love one another until we know your love for ourselves. We worship you, we magnify you, we bless us as we go. And bless all, everyone who's listening, wherever they may be. Lord, we thank you, Lord. We have no fear of love because we know whatever we're praying for, whatever we need of you, you have already provided it through Jesus Christ, our Savior. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen and amen. All right. Good.